this is East Carolina Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hired football and the sports objective. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. We continue our opponent previews. Most recently, we took a look at the UTSA Roadrunners. We're going to stay in the state of Texas and take a look what will be um, game five for the Pirates this year, uh, the final game of the month of September, and the AAC opener as they'll travel to Houston to take on the Rice Owls. And right now to preview the Owls, very excited to welcome from the Roost, Matthew Bartlett. Matthew, appreciate your time this evening. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Obviously, the Pirates and the Rice Owls have been in a league before, back during the Skip Holtz years uh, into the early Ruffin McNeil era at East Carolina. And, uh, you know, first of all, let's just start there. And what's the take by the Rice fan base moving back into a league uh, with some of those familiar foes and this time in the American? I think that was kind of the best part. Of course, everybody wants to, you know, move up and whatever's going on with realignment. But for Rice fans, you think back to like those years where Rice and ECU were in the, the same league. You go back to, you know, 2010, 2012, that, that kind of uh, 2013 era. That was when Rice is winning, winning conference championships and having some high points in their, their football program. So those are the teams and those are, that's the kind of the era that Rice fans uh, are clinging to at the moment. So you tell Rice fans, hey, we get to go play those same teams again. They're hoping they can kind of coincide that with uh, getting back and getting back to, you know, the habit of winning. Yeah, a good year from Todd Graham and, and obviously Coach Bailiff and what he did. Um, but, um, you know, taking a look at the program as a whole, um, outside of football, uh, obviously baseball had been very good, has struggled some in recent years, maybe on the way back up a bit. And then um, you know, talk about um, baseball, men's basketball, and the other sports and making that transition. Well, I, I think for the most part, women's sports the past couple of years have been fantastic. The women's basketball team won the WNIT. Uh, the volleyball team has been to uh, several conference uh NCAA tournaments in a row. So that's been going really well. Basketball has continued to, on the men's side, kind of pick up. They just signed uh, the highest recruit they've ever signed in program history going into this class. So there's optimism there. And baseball is, you know, that's the that's the golden goose at Rice. That's what really matters above all else. So it's been a, a couple tough years. They got Jose Cruz Jr. back at the helm, the skipper. And, you know, they have the, uh, the favored son come back home and first year two years at the program, we've kind of seen kind of a baseline of, you know, getting new field in and, you know, starting to pull some recruits from the Houston area. We're hopeful that the next year and year ahead will be better, but uh, it's a, uh, it's a work in progress uh, across the board. I'd say. And talking specifically about this 2023 Rice Isles football team, um, I think this, the top storyline, you know, at least probably nationally, is JT Daniels transferring there from West Virginia, of course, formerly Georgia and also USC. 
Uh, so uh, talk about that acquisition. Well, I think obviously it's it's massive. It's a name brand guy at quarterback. And, you know, at the at the group of five level, a lot of people get quarterbacks that have transferred from from big name programs that, that kind of sifting through whether or not, hey, they just weren't good enough to play there and they had to bop down or, hey, they were actually good and circumstances didn't go their way. I think what's really interesting with JT is uh, ended up getting benched at West Virginia. But you look at his stops at Georgia, you look at, look at, at USC. Uh, he was a really good quarterback. He got hurt and kind of got Wally pipped and lost his job, wasn't able to practice. And so you're looking at a guy whose body of work is really good. He's been a good college quarterback for a long time compared to other college quarterbacks. And so far, everything we've seen from him in the spring and fall camp has been been excellent. So Rice is hoping they finally have an answer uh, at the most important position on the field. Yeah, when we were talking uh, to Jared Kalmus uh, from the Alamo Audible, um, obviously they have Frank Harris, and then you have a veteran, although not there at Rice, I mean, a guy that has played plenty of football in JT Daniels. And, and kind of working in reverse a bit, um, Mike Bloomgren, talk about on the job he's done. I believe this is year five now, but it's, but it's been a slow build last year. Five and eight, um, you, you did go to the, the Lending Tree Bowl, uh, lost to Southern Mississippi, but um, the program has kind of steadily improved. I know in 2020 you were only able to play five games, but uh, I, I recall the big win you had up at Marshall. I want to say, was Marshall undefeated at the time? Undefeated, number 15 in the country. So uh, j- just talk about um, – from a fan's perspective and, and just, and maybe also administratively from what you, what you've heard on just uh, the Mike Bloomgren era. Well, I think when, when Bloomgren took the job, kind of the lay of the land was things were pretty barren. The cupboards were, were empty and the talent was just not there. And he was given a long leash and said, Hey, you got years to get this in order. And kind of the return on investment was supposed to be, Hey, you, you get rights to a bowl game. And then you had COVID and things kind of went squirrely there. And then Rice gets to a bowl game last year on their APR, their grades as the only, I guess, the top five win team who didn't get to six wins making the cut. So uh, there was some good, good things that you can take from last year. And there was also some frustration because, you know, all the they did make the bowl game. It kind of felt like this team was a little bit better than they performed. And so I think 2023 sets up a really interesting year for, for Bloomgren, who, I mean, he took over a, a one-win team and has slowly built it up to five wins last year. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road and saying, yeah, this guy can bring in talent. Can he develop it and can he turn it into a winner? And I think if he can have a big year one in the American, I think that bodes really, really well for him and for the program as a whole. We talk about having uh... – Daniels, a quarterback. Uh, what are some of the weapons? Who will he be throwing to uh, at this? Excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry. At the uh, skill positions, that receiver, tight end, running back, et cetera. What, what are some of the weapons for uh, JT Daniels to utilize? Well, I guess we got to start first off. We got one guy headed up to your neck of the woods. Bradley Rosner was expected to be one of the top targets. He transferred to NC State just a couple weeks ago, I guess mid-July. So that was kind of unexpected. That kind of leaves uh, a bit of an unknown in the wide receiver room. They have Luke McCaffrey, who transferred over, I guess swapped over from quarterback to wide receiver. And man, he was fantastic last year. Um, just a 
completely um, bona fide talent, just athletically, and can do a lot of things. So he is going to get a lot of work. Uh, it's interesting you're going to see who kind of picks up the slack behind him because the rest of the room is a little unproven. Actually, we talked about the Marshall win that Rice had back in 2020. The quarterback of that game was Giovanni Johnson, and it's looking like he could be the starting X receiver on the outside for rice this year, making the switch over. So two converted quarterbacks at wide receiver. And then at tight end, uh, Jack Bradley has been a kind of a mainstay for this offense and has kind of been an all conference kind of potential guy. So those will be some big pieces. I think Bowden Groen's another guy, another tight end that they want to stick in the slot and use kind of him uh, as a mismatch piece across the middle. So the rest of it is, you know, we'll wait and see. They have a lot of talented young guys and it's just going to see who can do it on Saturdays. Staying with the offense, uh, what does the offensive line looks like for the uh, for, for the Owls in 2023? I'm not sure because they were really excited to have a good group that they thought they were going to have the starting offensive line all intact in the spring. And then there were no major injuries, but just one thing after another where this guy would be out a week and then that guy would out, be out a week and then this guy missed a week or this guy was out for a day. And so we didn't really ever get to see them use their have their full starting complement of offensive linemen in the spring. And they've gotten some time to work together in the fall, and that's been encouraging. They got both tackles back, which is, you know, honestly kind of the first time under Bloomgren they've been able to do that. And they have some experienced guys at center and left guard, maybe right guard. Uh, it's kind of shuffling through. They have probably three, four options at both of those guard spots. And it's going to kind of be getting those guys and figure out what, which ones are, are the best to, to plug in there. The real rubber meets the road kind of moment for them so far is they haven't had time for five guys to work together. And in years past with, with the owls, that's kind of been the issue. It's not necessarily been all just talent. Do they have the guys who can block it's, have they done had time on task together to know what the guy next to them is going to do. And that's crippled them as much as anything else. So hopefully we can get everybody healthy through fall camp and we'll get to see that same kind of starting five that's solidified gone throughout the season. Shifting over to the defense. I know uh, back in 2020 on uh, that team that I referenced that, that went and won at Marshall, um, they were small sample size with five games, but um, allowing something like 18 or 19 points per game. And then um, 2021 was a struggle. Now, how uh, were the Owls a year ago, and uh, where, where do you see them in 2023? That's the part that I'm really interested to see because I think it could say – could go a long way to determining how the season goes. I think, you know, we list, talked about JT and all the guys on offense. I think the offense is going to be better. Defense kind of took a step back last year. The run defense, which has been kind of a hallmark of, you know, them being uh, tough and, and gritty, kind of took a step back. And then the secondary is they have both corners back, but they're replacing uh, a bunch of guys in, in the deep end on the back end and safety. And so it's going to be interesting. I think that, you know, having another year to go back and kind of reevaluate and look at the film is going to help. But at, at the end of the day, uh, it's going to be a bunch of sophomores and youngsters for the most part uh, going back in, in in the secondary. So uh, it, can they keep up? Is it going to just be JT Daniels making up for it on the other side? And then uh, on the front seven, I think they have you know, honestly, a lot of depth there, which is which is really nice considering they lost three uh, seniors to, you know, the NFL and, and graduation 
last year to this unit. So the fact that they're able to kind of restock the cupboard there, I think goes a long way. Uh, Josh Piercy is a name I point on that side. He's kind of a, has the potential to be an all conference kind of caliber guy. And if he has a big year, he racks up those sack numbers, the pressure numbers. I think the entire, the floor of the defense just goes way up. Uh, looking at the uh, special team side of things, uh, how do the Owls look at place kicker, punter, et cetera? Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. They brought in a new special teams coordinator this offseason, Pete Alomar, who actually coached with Bloomgren while he was at Stanford and year after year produced, just kind of ran through the, the list of great special team, uh, you know, kickers, punters, and then just the units as a whole. So I think having his presence in the room is one of those things you never really notice, you know, how important special teams is until something goes wrong. And I think, you know, they had a really, really great special teams uh, kind of unit. When Bloomgren first got here, Pete Limbo was in charge of that. I believe he's at South Carolina now. And then it's just kind of been okay at times the past couple of years. So I think getting Pete Alomar in the room is going to help. I think having uh, Connor Hunt back at punter his second year and then uh, rolling in ha- a breaking in a new kicker, but, but one that is uh, relatively experienced. Uh, I think that, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Once the lights comes on, uh, you know, the, the staff has been pretty confident and comfortable with him uh, through camp. I haven't brought anybody else in, so it'll be, uh, his job, Tim Horn, but you know, we'll wait and see I, I, on the whole, I think it should be, uh, at least as good as it was last year and hopefully a little bit better. How do you feel about the, uh, the owl schedule this year? Uh, first year in the American, um, I haven't even looked at it. I should have, I apologize. I know, I know you get the pirates. Uh, I, I don't know who else you get. Well, I believe start- PSA is your permanent opponent. I was going to say, let's start with the non-conference because I know right out of the gates and you play the, the Texas Longhorns and then you have that in the crosstown rivalry with, with Houston, uh, which was a very competitive game a season ago. Um, and then um, in addition to playing FCS for Texas Southern, you also have UConn um, coming to Houston. And UConn was obviously much improved a year ago under Jim Moore Jr. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that non-conference slate? I mean, it has the potential to be pretty tough. I mean, Texas is, I think they're a top 10 team this year. And then I think the Houston, uh, ECU and UConn are, are all interesting because I think there's a lot of things about all those teams that like, hey, they, they, they could be pretty good, but but none of them, you know, have the have the bona fides or at least have question marks, uh, whether it, I, I guess a quarterback or, you know, a lot of guys that they're losing. So uh, it's going to be really interesting if Rice can make it through that non-conference slate and, and pick up three wins. I think they got to feel pretty good about that. Obviously, you want to win the FCS game. Uh, Texas Southern, they came really close at Houston. If you can be two and one after your first three games, you got to feel great. But uh, I think a rebuilding year at UCF and then maybe you, you, you grab one before you go into your bye uh, middle October. I think the schedule sets up pretty, pretty favorably, favorably for the Owls. Uh, it's not a cakewalk, but I don't think I mean, years past Bryce has played two, uh, three power five opponents. So not having to go through that is definitely a plus. Well, you still play two power five opponents, technically. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of realignment, I I knew Houston was in the Big Twelve, but I haven't really. Uh, you don't want to go amongst the Power Five just yet. That's true. What is a Power <laughs> Five? Let's ask. Espe- 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 especially the crosstown rivalry like that. 
But um, what stands out to me about your schedule within the American, Kyle referenced the, the trip to UTSA, but um, the majority of your conference schedule and as far as the what you would think would be the tougher games, Tulane, uh, SMU, East Carolina, FAU, um, the teams in the upper half of the at least the preseason projections uh, are all there in Houston. Yeah, I mean, that's a plus. I, I mean, honestly, Rice has been arguably better on the road the past couple of years. So I don't know what that says. But yeah, it is nice to uh, have those games at home. I think the fact that Rice has uh, seven home games this year out of their, their 12 games and some of the road trips, I mean, uh, you're looking at, at Texas and, and UTSA. So that's not exactly flying across the country. So a, a lot of local games, which is a plus. Uh, you can't can't ever complain about that. Speaking of um, home games at Rice, uh, your stadium is huge, uh, comparably speaking to the turnout you guys get. Are there any plans to downsize, maybe build a new smaller on-campus stadium, or are you guys happy where you are? I mean, they've been kicking around ideas of what to do and kind of modernize the stadium experience for forever. I think part of the challenge at Rice is it's called Historic Rice Stadium for a reason. It is a historical landmark. You know, the JFK speech was there. You know, we'll go to the moon and it's hosted a Super Bowl. It's hosted so many big events. And so it's one of those things. It's not quite as easy as just saying hey let's knock it down and build a new one for one that costs a lot of money and you know the the AAC money is nice but it's not quite there uh just yet and then the other part is figuring out the logistics behind it but yeah I, I it's no no surprise on anybody everybody knows you don't need a stadium that sits I think what 40,000 maybe the listed amount with the yeah. on or whatever it doesn't need to be that big but uh, finding a practical way to downsize and, and make it make sense. I think that's going to be continually something that they kind of tackle and work on. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we've seen, you know, you look at, at Baylor, what they did with, with Floyd Casey, uh, just, uh, you know, not far from Houston. There's been examples of, of schools that have been able to kind of downside and build a fit for purpose stadium. They're just going to have to find a way to, to make it work at Rice. And honestly, I don't know what the timeline is on that. I, I actually didn't realize it only held 40,000. I thought it was bigger than that. Well, I it, think it, it's it officially listed at like 72 or something. But, but I think they have like the one of the end zones is tarped off, and I think like the yeah, unofficial forty or forty five thousand is what I saw, Matthew. Yeah, I I think it holds seventy. You open up all the seats, but that hasn't happened in a long time. Okay. Now, um, taking a look at the league as a whole, I mean, what what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, obviously, you have UTSA coming in, uh, who you're uh, very familiar with. And uh, everything that Jeff Trailer has done there, um, a seventh-year quarterback in Frank Harris that's so uh, dynamic, and then you have Tulane, uh, obviously returning a lot. Uh, you, you do lose Tajay Spears, but you have uh, Michael Pratt returning at quarterback, and uh, the Green Wave. Actually, today we found out that they are ranked 23rd in the coaches' poll. The first time that's happened in the 45 years of existence of the coaches' poll, going back to 1978. Uh, so what a job Willie Fritz has done, uh, obviously coming off of, what, a 12-win season and, and a Cotton Bowl title. Uh, what are your thoughts on the league as a whole? 
I think it's really fascinating kind of, you know, and when I had to go submit my ballot for the American for the conference, I had U- UTSA and Tulane neck and neck one, two, and then uh, SMU, I felt pretty good right behind them. And once you got to teams like four through like 12, I was just like, man, on any day you could convince me the difference between Memphis and ECU and FAU. I like, I don't know. And so I think it's going to be really interesting league because of that, because yeah, I think you got, we talked about Frank Harris, Michael Pratt, two good teams, two good quarterbacks. You got to put them up top. But after that, any given Saturday, man. So I'm not really sure how it's going to go. It's not going to be surprise me if surprise me if we have, you know, somebody that is not thought to be up at that upper echelon pushing, you know, mid late October, uh, keeping things interesting. Yeah, I I, I would. Uh, if you want a surprise team in the American, I would uh, caution everybody to to keep an eye out for the Owls, but uh, it would be the Temple Owls. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Temple. Um, I think Stan Drayton uh, had a lot of good things to say at, at media days. So yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't shock me. Are they uh, better? Is FAU better? Is Rice better? Which owl is the best? That's something we're going to have to figure out this year. <laughs> the better, yeah. They, they're, they're quarterback, but they, he 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 is he is his father's son. Um, as we start to wrap this up, you know, get you out of here for. Uh, I know you have a. A prior commitment, Matthew, and appreciate your time. But you know, taking a look outside the American, um, kind of off the air, we were talking about some of the you know conference shuffle and, and the craziness of the last few days. And it's it's probably not done. But uh, you know, as far as the on the field action, what are some of the storylines that you're looking forward to this year? Obviously, you have right there locally, you have the Longhorns. And then uh, up the road in Norman, the, the Sooners are in their final year in the Big 12 before they move on to the SEC. And then, obviously, some other intriguing storylines with first-year head coaches like Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, to, to cop to, to Texas, I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting year in the state. I think there's a lot of programs that are kind of in some high-pressure situations. Obviously, Texas – this is the year, man. Like if Sark's going to do it, he's got to do it. You have Jimbo at AM and uh, facing his pressures and people getting frustrated and talking buyouts. Uh, Rice, Mike Bloomgren, he's got a, he's got a year where he needs to kind of get things in line. And Dana Holgerson at Houston uh, facing some pressure. Uh, I mean, UTSA, uh, I, I mean, Jeff Trailer can do no wrong, but this is kind of his chance to kind of, I don't know, potentially ride off into the sunset and, you know, make a big splash in year one, the AAC. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of programs in the state that have a lot to prove and a lot hanging on this year. And then you look at, you know, we're talking realignment, what, who knows who is playing in one conference in 2024, but uh, there's a lot of things in the flux right now. So man, if you want to make sure that you're sitting pretty for whatever's going on, uh, I, I think it behooves you to have a good season in 2023. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, uh, again, appreciate your time. And before we let you go, you know, tell folks how they can read your work and also listen to your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the roost on all social medias, Facebook, Insta, whatever we're calling Twitter X, whatever it is yeah. <laughs> right X. now we got that. 
And uh, we've kind of gone through kind of like y'all are doing, uh, doing a, a run through of all of Rice's opponents. So uh, above, we had you on a couple of weeks ago. We talked to ECU, um, had a good one last week. We brought in uh, Shahan Jayaraja with CBS and just kind of asked him, Czar, please fix college football, which was fun with all the bad <laughs> news we've had in recent weeks uh, to have some good idea. I vote for him. We'll put things uh, straight. So yeah, we cover all things American, all things Rice. So uh, I guess we'll see ECU in a, a couple of weeks now once the season gets started, but uh, as always, it, it's been fun. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Yeah, September 30th, and the Pirates will head out to Houston, and I will, we'll probably have you back on game week and uh, you know, have a better idea of you know what the Pirates and Owls are in 2023. Sounds good, man. Look forward to it. All right, take care. Thanks. That is Matthew Bartlett from – the Roost, and you can follow him on X, like he said, at The Roost. And they pride themselves on being on the top source for Rice Sports News. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. <laughs> I had nothing to add to that, Bob, at all. <laughs> no, I could tell. But, um, yeah, that's that's a game. You know, that's, that I mean, sure is I, a game. <laughs> Well, I wasn't finished, but <laughs> I'm just being—I'm just in a silly mood, Bubba. But no, no it's, no, it's a game that could be a very important game to our season. Yeah. Uh, September 30th is, I think, what you were alluding to. Yes, I, I was going to say that that first five games, and we've discussed it a lot. Uh, obviously, um, those first three—you you could play very good football and still potentially come out of that three-game stretch without without a win, but. Um, and that being Michigan, Marshall, and App State, uh, so, and then and then you come home to to play Gardner Webb, uh, who's a very good FCS team, and then you go to open league play at Rice. So, really hoping um, find a way to come out of September with at least three wins. Yeah, three and two in the month of September would be great. Um, uh, honestly, two and three, and I think we still have a good chance to get to a bowl. Uh, anything less than that, uh, we're in bad shape. But uh, yeah, I'm like you, three and three and two, you'd be satisfied. Four and one, you'd be all over yourself. No doubt. Yep. You want to talk conference expansion, Bubba, briefly here before we wrap things up? I got to eat dinner. Sure. But, uh, I have a lot of no, nothing fires nothing fires me up quite like talking about conference expansion. Well, you know what? Right now, I, who knows? Things will change tomorrow. But with the with the rumors that are going around, the American may not. We, we could come out of this all right. We we may game best case for you know Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. I, I think you know worst case, it looks like all the Mountain West schools join those and they uh, you know become a, a better league than us on paper. Um, there, there's the, the new wrinkle is the ACC talking to Cal and Stanford. And my guess that would be football only. Um, and then what, what would, if, if Cal and Stanford get the ACC invite, what do Washington state and, and Oregon state do at that point? My guess is just join the mountain West, but who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll all work out. And the four of them will come to the American. We'll take a couple more from the mountain West and go to 20 and, and uh, end up being the big winners uh, of this round of conference expansion. Yeah, at, at this point, I don't. I don't think we're going to lose anybody unless something changes, and it could. Maybe all four decide to stay together, and they decide to poach from the American and the Mountain West. If 
schools are willing to go. But uh, at this point, it doesn't look like we're going to lose anybody, which is shocking. Yeah, and that as far as Stanford and Cal with the ACC, that didn't shock me. Um, I'm kind of – you knew – and we, we talked about maybe the kind of the mindset there at Stanford and Cal as far as feeling though they were above certain programs and that sort of thing. And obviously uh, the financial situation. And I actually thought uh, that over the Mountain West, Bubba, that I, I thought because of teams like Rice and Tulane, I thought it might actually help the American over the Mountain West. Oh, uh, I, agree, I, I, I agree with that. I didn't, I didn't know the ACC was going to get involved. And because obviously the ACC, you've had the speculation as far as Florida State and and Clemson, as well as others. But Florida State's been the most vocal as far as um, really wanting to f- find another conference home if things don't change there in ACC. Yeah, uh, and, and you got to wonder also, far as the Cardinals, are they a big enough brand uh, where they could go play in the West Coast Conference or something like that? And take football independent if if the ACC doesn't work out. I, I don't. I, I don't think none of the rest of them are, are a big enough friend to do that. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I don't. You know, things can change tomorrow, but I don't see the American losing any team. So um, at least that's good news. Maybe it, it would just be nice, just for a change, Bubba, to actually come out on top and somehow end up with those four in the American and add a couple more from the Mountain West. Go to twenty. And uh, get a significant increase in television revenue. It would, you know, it would, it would just be nice for something like that to happen for a change. And maybe we could even take the Pac-12 name. We could be the Pac-20. <laughs> yeah, that that wouldn't be bad. But um, you know, we continue to preview the East Carolina opponents. And so far, uh, we have previewed Marshall, App State, uh, Gardner Webb, Rice. Um, we've also taken a look at, um, and by the time this airs, we will have previewed the Tulane Green Wave on Monday night with Corey Glore. And then uh, we've also taken a look at UTSA and FAU. Um, so we, we have remaining Charlotte, SMU, Michigan. Um, we, we have also, um, we talked to Brian Newberry of Navy back at, couple months ago so check that out as well you can find all of these on our youtube channel uh, just search the sports objective and uh, be sure to subscribe and ring that notification bell so you're alerted when we upload new <coughs> excuse me new content or go live and then uh, also all of our weekly programming is cranking up uh, absolute empowerment has already started with jeff connors uh, he's caught uh, up with robert jones and george coontz two pirate greats the last two weeks a couple of tremendous conversations. Definitely go and check those out. Um, have received a lot of positive feedback on those. And then uh, I know you have your debut episode uh, with Stevie Fly uh, here in a couple nights of the just another sports podcast. Yeah, uh, me and uh, Stevie Fly, Stevie Fly, the, the head coach of Northeast Academy uh, High School football team. Uh, he and I will be doing a podcast each week. Uh, as I stated before, we'll obviously be looking at the East Carolina game for the week. Uh, we'll be previewing whatever the big regional matchup is for the week uh, in this area, be it, you know, uh, a Sunbelt game, an ACC game, what have you. And uh, we'll also do a top five each week. Um, you know, the, for our first episode, uh, Andrew Bays will be joining us. 
We'll be previewing East Carolina special teams for 2023 and uh, talking a little bit about the broadcast situation with Bays uh, being uh, the, the road game color analyst. And uh, we'll also have the top five season, most memorable season openers in East Carolina history. Uh, I'll do a top five. Uh, Stevie will do a top five. And uh, we encourage all the listeners to participate as well. Uh, do your top five most memorable season openers in East Carolina history. And uh, looking forward to joining Pirate Nation each and every Wednesday for uh, just another sports podcast with uh, me and Stevie. Yeah, every Wednesday at 8 o'clock on the Sports Objective channel. And then you also have Sonny and Semenza every Wednesday night, beginning Wednesday, August 23rd, I think it is. Uh, You'll have on Thursday the Inside Slant, where we talk about some of the week's top games with beat writers and play-by-play voices, etc. On Friday, you'll have an episode of A Pirate's Life from Me. Um, That's also already underway Uh, this Friday. It will... Continue uh, with Zach Darty, a longtime Pirate fan uh, from early in his childhood and going to games uh, with his grandpa. And um, he continued um, his love of the Pirates, went to East Carolina and got his bachelor's and also an MBA. And uh, now is a loyal supporter of the program through the Pirate Club and purchased some season tickets. So we discussed that, some of his favorite players, favorite games. And uh, that will be on Friday at noon with Pirate fan Zach Doherty, who is uh, from or currently living in Dunn, North Carolina, uh, originally from Jacksonville and attended Jacksonville High School. Um, Beginning on Saturday, September 2nd, up at the Big House, we'll have sights and sounds from ECU, Michigan, and that will continue throughout the season wherever the Pirates are playing. And then on Sunday night, we'll have the Pirate football playback presented by LNK Custom Homes, the third year in a row that uh, KK, Kevin Walker, East Carolina, great defensive back from the 1983 team uh, will be our title sponsor and appreciate his support of the program. And this year, I know um, it's going to be Good, because after you having that 24 hours or maybe a little bit longer in the case of the SMU game to reflect on what took place, uh, you'll be able to call into the show and discuss it. Yeah, taking calls this year on the playback with uh, me, Bubba, Dave, and Matt Semenza. So uh, we'll be interested to hear what Pirate Nation has to say, and you will not be censored or edited within reason. Speak your mind, say what you think, and uh, looking forward to it. It should be fun. Well, Kyle, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up this edition. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate Matthew Bartlett from The Roost. You can follow him at The Roost or or go to the website, and they have excellent coverage for the Rice Owls. So as the Pirates prepare to take on Rice in Game 5, that could be a source of good information. Again, appreciate uh, everyone tuning in. Follow us on social media on X at the Sports OBJ on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For Kyle Barber, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Have a great one, everyone. And as always, go Pirates.
Everybody gonna see us go bananas. Scream loud, but we don't hold back. Every front, every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like a hurricane, y'all.